get started. We got a couple of church, uh, purple books left. If you're here tonight and you, these are the final two because I'm not ordering no more. And I'll tell you more about that. If you need one, raise your hand up real quickly. Jason will bring you one real quickly, it's like Della does. You can do. And we can make a copy of the lesson tonight and uh, each week to finish out because I want to take a moment as a lead in. Before we get into our lesson tonight, to first of all say thank each one of you for coming out tonight. Really appreciate it, especially on a blustery, cold, dark, or almost cold. What happened to fall? I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's, uh, it's a little frustrating, isn't it, for what we see coming for this next week. And uh, first week after time change is always a challenging time, isn't it? Kind of the body is acclimating and regulating a little bit. Um, this is, I don't have any detail for you, but I would like you to remember this because I know y'all are very affectionate towards Pastor Andre, but Pastor Andre, um, everything's good with him as far as I know, but does anybody remember when he was here last time he was headed to what he called the Atlanta, um, prayer, you know, his upper room. You might remember that he was Atlanta upper room. The Atlanta upper room was being hosted at Griffin, uh, Assembly of God, which is a suburb of Atlanta, Griffin First Assembly. And uh, the pastor there had been there for a long, long time. He's well-known in the Assemblies of God, and he died suddenly this week. And I don't know the details of it. I just saw just little bits on Facebook. I tried to go to their website just because I know that would be a shock. But I'd just like for you to remember that thing. I don't think it was expected at all. I think it was one of those sudden, very unexpected moments. And just please remember that church family and that family in your prayers. Um, I want to take a few minutes before we get into the lesson. We were not here last week. We were back in for the fall festival. I'll tell you a little bit about the conclusion of the Purple Book, kind of how we're going to conduct this just very, very quickly. The Purple Book has been a fantastic study for us. It's been, uh, it, it simply says on the front page, biblical, or on the cover, biblical foundations for building strong disciples. There's an objective here, that's to give people, uh, you know, a, a foundation of faith upon which to build and develop you know, as you grow in your communion with God. And we have covered a wide variety of, of subjects, and we'll kind of backtrack over this. Well, we want to build upon that. And Jason and I have been contemplating amongst ourselves, and there's a particular area of study that I've been thinking about for some time, and uh, that it's very, one side of it's relatively uh, new to me in personal study, so that creates an excitement for me personally. Another side of it's not new to my personal study, but it will still create some excitement. And I'm gonna, I've got this up here. I don't know if you can read these names, and I can't pronounce these, but I'll just, it says Judaizers, Gnostics, Marcion, Docetists, Mani, Sabellius, I guess. I mean, well, I'll figure this out before we actually make it official. Arius, Apollonarius, uh, Pelagius, Eutychus, uh, Nestorius, and Socianus, or Socianus, or Sinus, I guess. Does anybody, apart from my terrible pronunciation of these difficult names, does anybody know kind of what window this is right here, what that looks like up there? Anybody? Say it, say it, Gail. Close. Heretics. These are labeled heretics by the church. Cause, so, so we can kind of start with Judaizers. So we're going to actually, we're not going to, the title of our, our study, I'm going to pray with, we're not going to call it heresy, but we're, we're going to use a book that, this is, the, this is going to be 
the latter end in just a second, but Know the Heretics is the book that we're going to use. And the reason why I want to do this is, is because a lot of these doctrines that are ancient doctrines, you know, I think um, we, were, we were talking just a, a little bit about it today, and uh, it was mentioned that in the in 2 Timothy, the, spot, the Scripture talks about in the last days that, that there would be uh, you know, doctrines of devils. And some of, the, some of the things that you've seen being taught today actually, you know, has been in the structure of the church for a long, long time. And they just get repackaged. And if we're going to be, we've, we've studied authentic doctrine for a year. Now we're going to go back and we're going to see how doctrine began. Many times, all these began in the church. So, you know, John said they may have gone out from us, but they were not of us. So they, they started within the confines of the body of Christ. Many of these have perhaps even a pure motive, but then it, 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 it was drawn away, drifted away, and it, and, it, and it pulled great followings, masses of people. And so, well, Jace has a, a, a good understanding, I think, for the local church level of this. Certainly, and Shane, we've, pur- we've purchased our books, we're studying, we've got two months now to study. And uh, so we're kind of excited about it. Uh, it's going to cause us to look into church history a little bit. I mean, you know, that's important, you know, to see. And then you'll often see, because I think what you were mentioning, uh, Gail, just a moment, you said like church fathers, because these names sound like church fathers. Well, oftentimes a church father was raised up as a prophetic voice to combat a heretical voice that was deceiving the church and leading the church and leading masses of, of people within the body of Christ astray. So I'm very excited to be able to share this. So you can go online. We're not going to provide the book for you this time, which I'll tell you more about it later. The reason why I say that, I provided the purple book at $5 a piece. These are $12 a piece, so I'm not providing this one for you. you got to go online and buy that yourself. It's called Know the Heretics. Uh, Justin Holcomb, is, you can find it on the Christian uh, Book Distributor. We'll give you a lot more information. That's not going to happen until January. But what we're going to do in conjunction with that, we're going to put this right here. If I can spell it right. Controversies and heresy. So, we talked about this a little bit today without you, Shane. So, we're going to talk about the um, beards in the church. No, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, here's at least some. How many know that there are some things that are what we would call heresy and um, that is false teaching that is designed to lead astray? And then there are things that might be controversial, but they're not necessarily heresy, right? And we're going to try to, we're going to, try to differentiate between those two. Some of these may not have a full modern you know, place just yet, but what I'm going to put on the board for, I just want, I felt like I wanted to share this with you in advance, because this is November's, we're about to hit the holiday schedule. That means out of the next nine Wednesday nights, we will miss three, so we have six to complete the purple book, because I feel like I want to go ahead, there's, there's eight lessons left in the purple book, so we're going to be condensing a couple of these, squeezing them together, so that we can kind of go ahead and wrap up the purple book series controversy. So what we're going to decide as this unfolds is if somewhere along the line in our study of the heretics, we might pause and we might jump over here and talk about a controversy. Then we might go back here. We'll see how the flow is. I think you're going to find this to be very enlightening. I think it's going to be something that you're going to, it's not just, it's not just dull history, right? but it's learning from the past 
lest, as they say, you repeat it. Unless we give place to the very spirit that crept into that age, we'll see it in our generation. So controversy. So are you ready? I'll go and I'll put these down. I'm, I'm I, I, oh, Lord. Sister Sherry, bro, start the vehicle. Right? Here's the, here's, this is a controversial one. This is, this came, this was, this is big in, in Christendom this recently. Role of women in ministry. Okay? All right? That was a big thing recently uh, due to some prominent theological circles arguing back and forth. So, all right, we're going to put right here. Um, I, I will, I'm not going to spell eschatology. I'll just put in times. That's not E.T. as extraterrestrial. That's in times differences. Now, we won't take this and make this a complete study, or we would be here for seven years. The seven-year tribulation is what our study would be if we did this. But we're going to note the differences, the differences in some of these, because that means that's a controversial subject. We're going we're to reach into the world of controversy in the church, and we're going to be unafraid to talk about it. We may not arrive at conclusions on all these, but we're going, to edu- we're going to build upon what we've gleaned from over the last few weeks and months. And here's another one. I'm just going to put these down because we put them down today. Divorce and remarriage. How about that? I mean, you know, that's a 2,000-year-old controversy in the church, right? I think we should talk about it. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about this, should we? Hmm, it's quiet in here. Wow, here we go. Homosexuality. Right? I mean, that's, that is, this is a modern and the church's response. Okay? And I'll put that the church's response. And sometimes it's the church position. Let me say that. Why, how is this? That, you know, so, Pastor, we've talked about this. Well, 2020 is a big year in the Methodist church. It's very possible the Methodist church will fragment into four particular segments or denominations as a result of this issue right here. So it is a controversy but it's a modern controversy so this one right here is calvinism how about this one versus arminianism we've done this in the past i may not spell it right a-i-s-e i'm close enough we'll talk about that and i just want we, we sat down today without you shane so but we that's all right you you had other things to do so, okay so you agree all right number six christian involvement in government i mean you know that I mean, that's a good thing to talk about, isn't it? Right? The lack of Christian involvement is controversial at times, isn't it? All right, number seven, responding, which I want, I'm running out of room, responding to the abortion debate. I mean, these are, these are controversies. These are not necessarily heresies, but these are definitely controversies that are in the church, especially in the modern church today. I think we as a church family need to talk about them and, 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 and flesh these things out doctrinally some a little bit and i'm gonna jump over here to eight and nine just to put that this is we stopped at nine real quick how about modern day apostles and prophets that's a big one isn't did y'all know that that's a i mean because everybody can claim to be something does that mean everybody is right modern day apostles and prophets and lastly here's a big one modern what modern what's what goes after that modern Modern conveniences. Ready? Modern day Zionism. How about that one? We're going to brave all these controversial subjects and potentially a couple of more as this unfolds in front of us, as this will begin in January. So I'm telling you right now, again, this is a list of 12 heretics that the church spiritual leaders had to rise up and combat their doctrine hundreds of years ago 
And these doctrines get repackaged. Walt said it today again, doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils get repackaged and they resurface in our culture. We've got to be able to recognize them. Right? We've got to be able to recognize them because the only thing that can withstand error is truth. Right? The only thing that can penetrate darkness is light. Correct? And so you and I must be students of the Word of God. We're going to learn. We're all going to learn together. I'll be learning right alongside of you, just zealous. I've already, I'm in chapter 6 already. I think I told Jason, I was with Manny today. Manny. That's all I can tell you about Manny real quickly. But nonetheless, it's going to be exciting. Put it down. Controversies. Know that it's going to start the first Wednesday night in, in uh, January. It's, the book itself will give you more information. Know the Heretics is the name of it. Know the Heretics. Again, it was about $12 on ChristianBook.com. There's a lot of resources you can go to yourself. You can go online and get a lot of information yourself. But I know that we're two months out, but I just I was too excited not to tell you. All right, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Well, what I tell you, what I'm, what, what, there is a workbook that they're going to produce, but the workbook is actually not out yet. It's not printed. It won't be printed until the 20th of January. When that comes out, we may be able to public. We may be able to purchase those. Know the Heretics. It's, in, it's called the No Series. And if anybody goes to ChristianBook.com, you'll be able to. You can't just type in CBD. Christian Book Distributors. That's what I always typed in for many years, but you can't type that in now because you'll get to certain websites. A lot of oils will start trickling in here, and it won't be anointing oil. I guess it might be anointing oil, but it's a different kind of anointing oil. <laughs> Whoo, that's funny stuff right there. <laughs> All right. The purple book now, you can take it and follow with me there. We are in chapter number 11. We were in lesson number two, which was lesson one was taught by Jace a couple of weeks ago. And um, I want to go ahead and kind of backtrack for just a little bit more as we jump into this lesson tonight. And I just want to remind you kind of what we're doing here. I just want to remind you, if you've got your book, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to try to write all these down, but I want to kind of read. I want to go back to the table of contents real quickly, and I want to remind you where we've been. Sometimes that's important to remind you what kind of journey have we been on collectively to arrive at the, the lesson that we are at tonight. We began this journey by talking about sin and salvation. How many you know these are, these are components of the gospel message? What are we saved from? Sin. Right? We are saved from the bondage of sin, the nature of sin, and the penalty of sin, which is eternal death. We're saved through Christ, and that's where we began this journey. That is the gospel message we, we, uh, we looked at the original story, the results of sin, God's solution for sin, Jesus' death and resurrection. We talked about receiving a, a new heart and grace through faith. That led us to lordship and obedience. That when we get born again, Jesus is Lord, right? He's the Lord of our lives, isn't he? We have sub- completely surrendered to him, haven't you? That's, 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 the, that's part of the goal of discipleship is that I'm, I'm becoming... My, not my will, but thy will be done. So we talked about lordship and obedience to, to God. And then we, went to, we talked about repentance and baptism. And we, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? That we talked about what it meant to be re- repented before God is to not, just, not to just feel sorry for something. 
I mean, godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. Godly sorrow is not repentance. Godly sorrow leads to it. And when you repent, you change your mind, which in essence will change your direction. Are y'all out there, right? I mean, that's, what we, that's what we were learning, what re- true repentance is. We also talked about water baptism, the mode of baptism, the controversy of water baptism. That could have been on the board tonight as a controversial subject, but we touched on it per- pretty deeply during this lesson. Then we went to the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. So we talked about regeneration by the Holy Spirit, and we talked about baptism, and we tried to dis- distinguish between the two. And we believe doctrinally as assemblies of God that there is a distinguished in a moment between being regenerate by the Holy Spirit and being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about spiritual gifts, that we're all to desire spiritual gifts, right, to long for. The Bible says earnestly desire these things. From there, we talked about having a hunger for the Word of God. Chapter 5 of spiritual hunger in God's Word, which is the authority and the power of the Word of God, the benefits of the Word. And the Bible says that as a newborn babe, As a newborn babe, desire earnestly the sincere milk of the word that you may, what? That you may grow thereby. Thank you. That you may grow thereby. Desire earnestly the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. If you want to grow in your faith, you've got to nurture yourself on the word of God, don't you? And from there, we went to discipleship and leadership, the call to make disciples, which is part of our subject matter here tonight and over the next couple of weeks, absolute surrender, discipleship in the cross, Christian character, discipleship and leadership. And then we went to one of my favorite subjects, chapter 7, the church, church life. pastor said, I was very excited. I got a text from my son, Anthony. Our, our, we have a little group text that all the brown children, not counting the spouses, the spouses are not allowed. I don't know why, but they don't get to be in on those discussions, those little six Brown children offspring have their own little thing going. Include me and Sherry in that discussion. And I've got a little message back uh, from Anthony down in Pensacola. And they had visited several churches. And he said, I believe I found the one. And it bore witness to his heart and the preaching and the message. And I said, you know, I've heard it said. I've heard it said that everybody needs a pastor. And everybody needs a church family. Right? And I believe that today. If you're a child of God telling you, you need the fellowship that comes through the saints. And so we all need a church family. And we talked about leadership in the family and even talked about Holy Communion. And we have seen a resurgence of of, of partaking of communion in our church family. Now, one thing our church family is real weak at is saying amen at very appropriate times. Okay, But we're slowly, hopefully improving in that area. Yes, amen. Thank you. But what we really have, I mean, we've taken communion more this year with our emphasis on it on Sunday nights. Once a month, we've taken it more than we have in the latter several years. And we have, and we have a renewed interest in it. And we're, there's, there's a bonding there. And Jason and I did a little planning today where uh, a week from Sunday, that's when that, that communion service on Sunday night is going to have a little different element to it, won't it, Jace? We, we planned it out to have a little bit of different element and show us some of the, of the value of communion at a deeper level. So we're very excited uh, to continue, that's how I many you know that's the that's that's what the early church did. They came together. They broke bread from house to house. They shared the broken body and the cup of his suffering together. And then number eight, prayer and worship. We have to be taught to pray. I mean, we have to learn to pray, right? Just like a child has to learn to communicate. 
you'll learn to pray. You'll grow in your prayer communion with God. And you just have to begin. You say, if Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm used to hearing some of you pray very eloquent or very uh, King James-oriented language type prayers. And how many of you know that, that God is not dependent upon you saying thee or thou? Right? He, he responds to the sincerity of your heart. But you have to learn and grow. And you have to find that place of either a personal prayer or corporate prayer. And then from there, we went to faith and hope. And we, I, I like to talk about mountain-moving faith. It's one of the lessons I got the privilege to talk about. So uh, we'll see a little bit more of that in a little bit, uh, maybe next week's lesson. And then we talked about prosperity and generosity. That I, lo- I do appreciate the Purple Book on the context of, of, the, of prosperity, that it began with the warning about the dangers of wealth. And sometimes in today's culture, we are taught through the, the, the charismatic Pentecostal church about prosperity, which is a good thing. And I don't know if there's anybody that gets up in the morning and says, I want to be a pauper, right? Or I don't want to be blessed. Or if something good happens to me, I don't want to stop and shun it and say, no, you know what? It must not be. No, if, God, if there's something good, the Bible says every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, Correct. So we all have this desire, but how many know that the love of money can become the root of all evil, and it can, Paul, Paul said, it can lead you astray. So you have to guard yourself in that, don't you? And, and not be consumed by, and we live in a, a, a culture today that it's easy. We're, how many of you know we're going into Christmas time soon, right? And, and all the pressures that come about with all of this. So you learn to balance it, but at the same time, we still want to believe God for the fullness of His blessing on our lives. We want to leave a heritage for our children and our children's children. And the Bible says a good man, right, leaves something of value to his family. And that's what we as believers strive for. And so we have to balance this correctly. Um, And then we came to the place where we talked about extreme generosity. Extreme generosity bled over into missions. And we're on missions now in one sense, evangelism and world missions. And one of the things that we're also doing next year, I didn't know I was going to do all this, but I might as well. And one of the things we're going to do next year is we're going to have a missionary on the third service of the PM service once a month. So I've got 10 windows open. I've filled six already. And we're going to try to go to the next level with missions in our church with an emphasis. Some of these are new missionaries we've never met before. Some of them are missionaries that have been on their field. Derek Walker's going to be here. He's been three years in Africa. He's going to share with you what God's done. That's exciting. Jacob Nichols has been in Thailand. He's going to come after three years in Thailand and tell us about what God's doing. And when you get to be a part of that. And this past uh, Sunday night, we had, for the very first time, Ryan and Mindy uh, 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 Redfeather. Was it Redfeather? No. Red Farron, not Redfeather. <laughs> Redfeather kind of sounds maybe a little bit better, yeah, to be honest. And uh, Red Farron. And, and these, were pretty, these were really cool people. They really were. JoJo and them made a great... Uh, connection point. We didn't know this, but Ryan used to be on the strength training uh, uh, training um, at the University of Arkansas back during the days of Darren McFadden and and Peyton Hillis and all that. And Ryan was a part of uh, the staff there that was that was uh, on the weight training. And, and when the call of God came to them later, and then now they follow that call to Africa. And so we took up an offering, and you know, your church family on a on a on a semi sparsely attended Sunday night kind of a, a lead into this cooler, wetter weather. $2,100 came in to support those missionaries. Come on, amen. That's it. They were very excited because they have to raise a cash budget. And that was through what? Through your generosity that you saw the value of sowing seed into the lives of missions and missionaries. How many know this is a part of your growth? And that's what this study is about. This study is about growing into the person God's called you to be. 
And that's a disciple. It's helping build the kingdom of God. So now we're talking about evangelism and world missions. If I remember correctly, what Jace was teaching last week a little bit about was, or two weeks ago, was about that we're all called to be ambassadors for Christ, aren't we? We're all to be as witness, right? We, we have those that are called for specific purposes, distinct callings, pastors and teachers and those things. But every person that's received genuine encounter with God is called to be a witness for the kingdom of God. Every one of us should be kingdom-minded. All of us should, shouldn't we? That we have something deeply on the inside of us that says, God, I want to see the kingdom of God advance in the lives of men and women. I believe that with, our, with all my heart. I prayed a moment ago. I thought that was a great thing for JoJo to pray for us as a church family. My prayer was, it's just like, remember what Jesus said? He said to the Jews, to the Jewish brothers of, of the first century, and if you'll make it applicable to the church, he said, you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. He said, you're a light that is not intended to be hidden under a bushel, is it, or a basket. He said, it's intended to be put on a lampstand to illuminate and so people need our voice. The, I believe Romans chapter number 10 says, right, how shall they hear without what? Without a, without a preacher, right? And how shall they preach except they be what? Sent. And that's in the context of world missions. But at the same time, we all have a responsibility to share the good news of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that here today. The lesson tonight, we're going to kind of condense it and kind of squeeze it together because lessons two and three are boldness and spiritual conflict in evangelism. Boldness is a necessary part. It takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to be a bright and shining light. It takes courage to do the things God's called you to do. It takes courage to say the right thing at the right time. Sometimes it takes courage to refrain from saying something when maybe you need to not and you have to temper yourself, and that takes great courage as well. The context of this particular lesson is looking at the first century church and the boldness that was being exhibited by many in the first century as they were propagating the gospel. Now, let's see if we can put this together in the right context, if we can, for just a moment. So we've been, we remind ourselves of the Great Commission. Go into the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Go into all the world and... Preach the gospel, right? Jesus gives this exhortation to his disciples, perhaps even from the Mount of Olives before he's ascended up into the presence of God. Here's a final, perhaps a final exhortation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we see the apostles and then the disciples doing so and fulfilling that command. And we see it with boldness. Let's just kind of put it down in just kind of in a, in a narrative for just a moment. We have Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2, what happens? The day of Pentecost, right? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the commotion of that event did what? What did it do? Lord, we have failed. I thought hiring a discipleship pastor would help. Obviously, we're behind the curve. <laughs> what happened when that, what happened? Wasn't there a crowd that grew, that drew? I mean, because they came and said, what is this? What meaneth this? These are new wine. Acts chapter number two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then remember, somebody lifted up their voice. What does the Bible say? Verse number 11, chapter number two. And Peter, right? Peter, lift, well, he lifted up his voice. I mean, he was, he was emboldened in that moment. Peter didn't get up that day saying, I'm going to preach a message. I've got six points and three sub points, and I'm going to do my very best to evangelize on the streets of Jerusalem. No, he just went to prayer. 
He just went to prayer, but there was a spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit, and suddenly Peter discerned this is that, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And as the crowds began to run to Peter, the Bible says Peter lifted up his voice, and he began to declare, and he preached the gospel. He preached Christ crucified. He said words like, you by your own wicked hands have slain, nailed him to a tree, but God raised him from the dead. He said, you know, things about that uh, his soul was not left in hell. He was not suffered to see corruption. He spoke about the resurrection. He talked about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ultimate ascension to the right hand of God. And if I remember correctly, it's around the 38th verse or so, somewhere in there. I didn't look this up previously, but it says that their hearts, anybody remember this King James English, were pricked, right? King James English. That means... They, 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 there was conviction that came upon their hearts, and they said, what must I do to be saved? And Peter said, Acts 2 and 38 says, repent. So it's probably verse 37. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, your children and your children's children, as many as the Lord our God should call. So Peter seized a moment that was created in front of him to do what he knew he had been commissioned to do, which was preach the gospel. Correct? And this was street evangelism. Now, street evangelism is very intimidating. And most of us are probably not called to be street evangelists. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes about, well, then what can we do? But I just want you to see, that was an, that was a, how many of you know that was a holy boldness? I mean, you can't mag- manufacture that. You know, you know, you can't go back in the back room and just say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Like the little choo-choo train. I can do this, I can do this. I can make it up the mountain. No, it was, su- it was supernatural. It was an unction of God. Peter's the one that wrote that says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. It was a divine unction of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, that's how you'll find yourself. I'll tell you that your greatest work of evangelism won't be when you get up in the morning and say, you know what, today I'm going to make sure that 1128, I'm going to make sure I isolate somebody in my office or at the factory that I work at or on the school campus, and I'm going to talk to them about Christ. But rather, when the opportunity is suddenly created in front of you and the Spirit of God begins to give you a holy boldness at that moment of time, it's supernatural, it's Spirit-led, that you then share the gospel of Christ. We see other passages. This is one of the things that they noted in your lesson here um, in Acts chapter number 4 because there was a prayer. So then they were in chapter number 3. This In chapter 3 is where Peter raised, and John go up to the temple. Remember that? The lame man caught at the gate, and he lifted him up. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. Immediately, he's leaping and praising God. Peter, once again, is given an opportunity to preach, and he preaches the gospel, Right? And as a result, though, many people come to Christ. Acts 2 and Acts 3, many people come to Christ. Now, remember, these are monumental moments that you've seen. This doesn't happen that often, where thousands of people are making mass decisions for Christ. This is a supernatural moment and culmination of biblical prophecy. But at the same time, we're still able to glean some things. So as a result of Acts chapter number 3, in Acts chapter number 3, the Sanhedrin, who are the religious leaders of the day, are getting aggravated that so many people in such a short period of time, they had put to death Jesus, and now more controversy and more challenge for their little religious clique is being created over his death than his life. And so in Acts chapter number 3, now they're telling them, don't speak in the name of Jesus. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. This is the passage of Scripture where Peter said, who are we to obey God or man? 
right? I mean, listen, the world today wants to mute the voice of the church, right? That same satanic intimidation is echoing once again. It was even recently in, in uh, New York City that uh, Governor, how do you say his name, Andrew Cuomo or whatever, Cuomo, that he, he, he tried to pass the, the Johnson Amendment in the local uh, uh, government, state government, and uh, which is what its totally its intent is to silence the voice of the church, to 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 give the church no give the politicians a voice, give the uh, sports leaders a voice, give the Hollywood personalities a voice, but don't give the church a voice. That's behind it. But it's going to take boldness in our generation, isn't it? So in Acts chapter number three, Peter said we're going to preach the gospel. But Peter did this in Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter number four, they called it a prayer meeting, right? And in the prayer meeting, they asked God for something. You know what they asked for? And I think that was part of the lesson here. It wasn't in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. This was the results. Of, and they prayed this in 29 and verse 31. They prayed. What was their request? What was it? Boldness. Because they knew it was going to take something supernatural of God to be able to communicate the truth of the gospel. And so they prayed because they were threatened. They were being told, listen, you could die if you don't stop preaching and the early church gathered together in a corporate setting and said, God, we've got to have your help. Right? We can't just have a mission, evangelism, uh, training, or teaching, or a strategy. No, we, that's all good. But somewhere along the line, we have to have a supernatural unction that comes from God. That's the thing that we need because that's the voice that leads people to true repentance. And so these are on the board today just for us to see that the work of the early church included a praying for boldness. This is something that you and I have to pray for. I, I, if I'm being honest to you today, I, I'm, I preach, you know, boldly from a pulpit in a safe place. Did you hear that? I, I recognize I'm not out on the streets. I'm not out in a political arena. The people that I preach to are usually saying, amen, come on, preacher. You know, they're not picking up things to stone me, Right? Stephen preached his message in Acts chapter number 7, and it was his last message, right? He preached boldly to the Sanhedrin that day, and they pricked their ears. They closed their ears so that they would not hear the truth of the gospel. And as a result, it cost Stephen his life. So how many of you know these are life and death issues that we're talking about? But it's something that you and I as believers, we have to put ourselves in position to say, God, I need this. And we're going to talk about the way that we, we share the gospel in a minute because it may not be the same method or the exact mechanism of the way the Apostle Peter did, but whether, no matter what it is, you still need boldness. And when the opportunity is created, that you'll be able to speak. Well, then, I'm trying to follow the lesson the best I can without jumping to my own lesson that I created. Are you all out there? Anybody want to comment? So then the tech, I'll look, like I said, Pastor, you asked for comments, and then you didn't turn around to see if anybody had raised their hand. Anybody? So we talked about Peter for just, we're just trying to learn. We're just building a foundation for just a minute from which to launch. Then the next one is in Acts chapter number 9. And in Acts chapter 9, we have the conversion of who? Saul. And I want to go to that real quickly because I think it said at the beginning of that lesson, it said, when did, when did Saul preach Christ? When did he preach Christ? King James English says this. Modern translation would say, what? 
But we're going to talk about that just real quickly because that's not necessarily true. It is to a degree, but Saul, anybody remember what happened to Saul? He was, he was converted on the Damascus road when he saw the bright light and the glory of God appeared to him. And he went to Damascus, right? And, and he waited for someone to come in. Ananias came in, laid his hands on Saul, opened his eyes. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was water baptized. And the Bible does say that straightway or immediately, I think it's right there, um, what verse was it right there, 19 and 20, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues. Immediately he did. But if you'll go to Galatians, chapter number 2, I believe it is. It might be 1, where Paul himself says, though, he said, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So Paul actually, though, if we're putting this in the proper context, he preached Christ in the synagogue at Damascus, and then he went into Arabia for a time, an unknown time. We do not know exactly how long. And then when he came back from Arabia, he returns to Damascus, and then he eventually goes to Jerusalem. And so we know that it was at least three years some here where in this context. Now, so the only reason I'm putting this is, is Paul here had some season of training to hear the voice of God by revelation of the gospel of Christ as he preached him. And so, but at the same time, the point that is being made through the authors here in this book is Paul asked the church to do what? To pray for him that he might do what? Open his mouth. How? How? Boldly, correct? Isn't that a prayer? Let's, let's look at it. Isn't that in, um, we're going to skip number five. We're going to go to number seven. Paul requested prayers that he might preach the gospel in what manner? In Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, he said to open his mouth boldly to make known the gospel of Christ. So all of us, if we're ambassadors for Christ, when we truly want to be a witness, don't we? But, but, but at the same time, I'm going to be honest with you. There's probably no apostles under the sound of my voice. That doesn't mean we can't be witnesses, correct? But that doesn't mean that we, the, the, the mode and the means of proclamation of the gospel will look exactly like the Apostle Paul's or the Apostle Peter's. Now, we believe in signs and wonders. That's the lesson in a couple of weeks. We believe that, that it, we believe you can lay hands on the sick. We believe all those things. But at the same time, I wrote here, I want to talk about what ways can we boldly share our faith? Let's make it a little bit more personal. Because these men, again, I just want you to see for a moment, you know, Peter, the Apostle Paul climbed up on a, on a stairwell in Acts chapter number 26 and declared his defense of the gospel before all the people that were gathered there in Jerusalem that day. Peter lifted his voice up in the temple. Those are, those are very unique moments. You're probably not going to have that many moments like that in your life. And you may never have that. And maybe you should not have that moment. But that doesn't mean that you can't boldly proclaim. So how can you? How can you and I, when you say, Pastor, I'm not an apostle. How can, we, how can I share my faith? Yes. Absolutely. Randy's saying here that some people are called to sow and some people are called to water. So we all play a part, right? Now, as, as you do this, let me put a couple things on the board for you real quickly. There's a difference between boldness, ready, remember this, and arrogance. And we have to be very careful because we can think that when we're arrogant that we're somehow being bold. 
The, the, the righteous are bold as a lion. But the Bible says about Jesus, it said, A smoking flax he would not quench, or a bruised reed he would not break. He was still meek and lowly, wasn't he? he was still, there were times Jesus raised his voice in his ministry. There were times that he cried aloud, excuse me, John chapter number 7 at the temple, and the water, and the, he said, you know, he cried with a loud voice, come unto me, you know. He spoke, so, but, but there are many times he just he ministered to people in a different way. So there's boldness and arrogance, and one of the things that I put right here is you can't necessarily shout, ready, at the darkness, Right? But you have to strategically plan to be a witness for Christ. I'm going to tell you what I believe is one of the greatest means and modes of evangelism. Are you all ready for this? And I'm probably a very poor source because I live in the sheepfold. And I'm in the sheepfold. It's been a long time since I've been in the secular world. I was in the military for nine years. And I pray just like you do. I want to be an ambassador. But for the last 23 years, I've been in the sheepfold. That doesn't mean I don't want to be a witness and everything. But I'm not going into a secular environment every day. I'm going into the safety and the sanctuary of the sheepfold. But at this, and I've even remember a couple of street preachers. I'm not a street preacher. Are you a street preacher? When I was in Washington, D.C., on a pastor's meeting, me and Sherry, Sister Sherry, there was a street preacher. And he was pretty cool. Because he came out right there. Did I tell this story? Can I tell it real quickly? Because I'm not, I'm not used to street preachers, are y'all? You don't see much of that in Hebrew Springs, do you? No, no. And so we were in line to go in to see the Capitol, and all of a sudden I heard somebody singing, this is the air I breathe. Didn't know what we sang just a moment ago, Shane? That's what that brother sang right there. It was just, and I, and I found myself humming it, and I'm getting ready. I'm going in. I'm surrounded by these other preachers, and then we've got a couple of senators that are taking us in there. And I'm going, this is the air. And I look down there, and there's this street preacher He's got a, like a boom box, and he's down there on a pretty, uh, you know, spring day and late in the afternoon, and he's singing, this is the air I breathe. And he's singing the, his holy presence, and then he goes, Obama is the Antichrist, uh, Revelation 13 and 8, the air I breathe. And then he went right back to sing, <laughs> just like that. Just never broke stride. He just flowed right out, right out of it. Just I, I'm kid you not. I mean, he was smooth. He just and then he'd go back and sing for a little bit, and then he'd come right back in. Obama was the Antichrist. Gave several reasons why, and everything from there. And then several years later, I got the opportunity to go with Alyssa when we were out in Los Angeles, and we went to Hollywood, and we went down to the actual. Where's the area where you're actually walking the strip and all that, where there, the footprints of the stars and Hollywood itself, and and how many know that is Satanville. A lot of times it's very intimidating. You see things that you don't typically see on the streets of Hebrew Springs. I've walked the streets of Hebrew Springs, and it don't look nothing like what it looks like in Hollywood. And there's people are in this way out there. And at first, and there was this little Chinese fella, or Asian fella, and he had his microphone too. And he was preaching the gospel. I mean, it was repent. It was the, the kingdom of God is coming. You're dying and going to hell. And at first, I was a little bit grieved by it, and I was like, oh, I don't know, because people were just kind of like, oh. But the longer I stayed among the masses of, of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, I found out I liked that guy better than anybody on that street corner. <laughs> but at the same time, very few of us, I can't say that's called of God, or I can't say it's not called of God. I'm not going to judge that role. I'm just saying that I'm not going to be that person. But in First Peter, ready for this? First Peter, is it chapter two or verse or, or verse chapter two or three? I didn't write first chapter three, 
Verse number 15, to me, is the key to evangelism and your own personal relationship. Where the apostle Peter said this. What did he say? Anybody want to say? He said, be ready. Are you ready? Be ready. No, that's a different one. To give. Ready this. To give what? To give answer. Right? To the hope that does what? That lies within you. Now, you want to be a witness? Right here. You say, Pastor, I work at Walmart. I work on the school campus. I work at Defiance. I work wherever. Then every day you get up, you get yourself ready, and you walk out the door and say, God, today's the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to have love. I'm going to have kindness. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to respond appropriately. Things that are going. I'm not going to fall prey to, the, to Satan's suggestions and all the foolish things. Are, and when people see the distinction in my life, and they're going through a difficult time, they're going to say, hey, w- what is it that makes you different? And when that moment comes, I'm going to be ready to give my presentation of the gospel. At that moment of time, I'm going to let them know the hope that lies within me, right, is Jesus Christ and the grace of God and the goodness of God. And I know him, I know God, not as just God, I know him as Father. And I'm able to communicate from that basis, and I'm able to use that as a tool of witnessing. I believe that that is the greatest resource that you, as a believer in Christ Jesus, can use to be a witness of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Every day, living a Christ-like life in front of men and women, being ready to give answer. Some of the controversies that we put up here on the, on the right side a moment ago. I mean, you know, I know that if you're at work, occasionally, stuff like stuff, there's going to be conversation made about those things, isn't it? You get into a teacher's lounge or something, there's going to be some conversation made about those things. You get into the break room, somebody's going to say, well, why did you see what this was going on? Or what did you think about that? And at that moment of time, you're going to be able to share. But how many know how we share sometimes is just as important with what we share? Let me say that one more time. You may have missed it. I said, how we share can be just as important as what we share. Because if we don't share it in the right spirit and with the compassion and the love of God in our hearts, sometimes then we do more damage than we do good. Right? Now, be very careful of using all the examples of Peter and Paul as an example in the Scripture. I said, Pastor, what are you saying? Now, I'm talking about those were very unique moments where apostolic leaders anointed of the Holy Ghost, almost like Elijah confronting the 450 prophets of Baal. Don't think that's you when you go to work tomorrow morning. Don't think that you have to be that person. You know who you have to be? You have to be somebody of a meek and a quiet spirit. You have to be somebody that has the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, temperance. The Bible says against those things there is no law. You let that be your life. The Bible says then people will taste and see. What are they going to taste? They're going to see the love of God in your heart. And you're going to find more opportunities to truly evangelize, in my personal opinion, from that position than you can if you take that very overly directive, emboldened, or sometimes arrogant. If it's truly boldness by the Holy Spirit, you want it. If it's arrogance born of a carnal nature... And you got to find the balance in that, correct? Come on, amen. you got to find the balance in that. Now, 
At the same time, I'll put it down here just real quickly, a couple of points real quickly. Um, strategic ways that you can preach Christ. Listen, that's, if that's what this is about tonight, how can you, how can you share the good news? I'm watching the time. If we don't get to the next, the next lesson, we won't. That's all right. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, some consistency in faith? Yes. Right. 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 Being consistent. Being consistent in who you are. Yes, amen. Be a, be a consistent. I don't know if that's correctly spelled, but be a blessing right there. Meet a need. What did Jesus say in, in the resurrection? He said, I was sick, and you did what? And you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You know what? One of the greatest ways and means that you can be a witness for Christ is when people are going through hardship. I'm telling you, because they're open and more pliable at that time than any other time. And, and so when you meet needs, when you search and you just seek opportunity to meet needs, just to me, you demonstrate the love of God in those moments, don't you? Somebody loses a loved one. Someone has a tragic accident, whatever. You go to the hospital out of your way. A co-worker you find out about is having a hard time, and you do something positive in their life. That is the gospel going forth, isn't it? That's the truth of the gospel. You're sharing. You're so, I mean, like Randy said a moment, you're sowing the love of God in that moment. Somebody else may water. Your action may be the water. Remember what Paul said. He said, one sows, another waters. But listen to this. God gives the increase, correct? In next week's lesson or the lesson, it says, no man can come to the Father but by what? Unless he's drawn. Unless he's drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? And that's why we want to be spirit-led, correct? That's why we want to ask God to lead us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are, again, ready to give answer to the hope that lies within us. We convey the message of the gospel. You be consistent. You be a blessing. Uh, you can be benevolent beyond there. Um, countless ways. I'll give you an example real quickly. When I did make a positive impact when I was at uh, the Air Force and I, in the Air Force, I remember one year that I called, I did this, I called a Bible study, right, at lunch, once a week. So I just put it up on the bulletin board. And I said, I'm going to have a Bible study during lunch, 12 to noon, or, or noon to 1 o'clock. Anybody interested? Come on. And I looked, and I'm talking about some heathen, some folk that brought words that I did not know were in the dictionary, that I heard them speak when they were out on the floor of the engine shop. I looked up, and they came to my Bible study. And so I had an opportunity, you know, to just simply share. So we have to be very strategic. You know, Jesus likened what we do to fishers. I mean, I'm going to close right now, and we'll kind of pick it up again next week a little bit. This is a good lesson for us because if, if our church is going to grow, as JoJo was praying for a moment ago, that growth can happen twofold. Now, number one, it can come through a sovereign way. Don't you believe that? I mean, like the Holy Spirit can just like reach out and draw. But it will also aid if you and I are going out into the community and inviting people to church. I still believe in evangelism through the local church. So let's just put this one on here. And that is you can invite, right, people to church, correct? I mean, that's a part of sharing the gospel. I mean, the other, uh, uh, several months ago when we had Brother Grady Watson here with us, 
Grady missed it just a little bit, just, if I'm just being honest, because he was coming from a street evangelist and a tent evangelist point of view. And the truth is, be inviting somebody to church and preaching the gospel is not exactly the same thing, but it is a part of the gospel. We have gathered here today, we created this facility, people did, so that when you go to work, you can say, hey, man, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Right? I mean, you know, that's a part of it. I'm not saying that's all of it. I'm not saying that's the end, but that is a part of sharing the gospel. So that when they come in here, how I many we can show love to heathens? Right? To unbelievers that come among us, we're to show them kindness and grace. And I'm not a wishy-washy church, and I'm not somebody says, well, they're going to come here, and we're going to just wallow all over them and all that, and we're going to water down the gospel, and we're not going to do any of that. We're going to preach the truth of the Word of God. But you know what? We're going to be kind to everybody, right? We're going to have a smile on their face and warmth in their heart and a genuine sincerity, and we're glad they're here because we want them to hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit goes out. And so next week as we, as we come together, we're going to talk a little bit about conflict and how there's contention that can be created. But if I can close tonight, because I'm past time and I need to close right now, is be strategic in your prayers. Pray. God, let today, let me be a witness for you. Let me be a bright and shining light. Whatever that looks like, whatever boldness means in your life, whatever it is, right, then pray that God will give you, because you don't want to shout at the darkness, you don't want to be arrogant, but you want to be ready to share the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you tonight for the men and women that have come out to this house Father, perhaps if we were to search all the pastors in North America, I would be the least to be teaching this lesson. But at the same time, Father, I pray that I'm challenging myself equally as much as the listener here today, that I'll look deeply into being a witness. I remember what Paul said, Father. Church family, remember this in prayer with me right now. Paul said, I became all things to all men, that by any means I might win some. God, help us as individuals to discern the times and to seize the opportunity. If we've lacked boldness when opportunity was created and in fear we refuse to share the hope that lies within us, I pray that from this day forward we'll have the courage to speak the things that you desire us to speak. And we pray that God of heaven, somebody pray this with me right now. God, give the increase. Give us the heathen for our inheritance. We pray that today. Draw all men to yourself. Draw men and women from all walks of life, from the darkness of sin, and bring them to the realization of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that today, Father, and bless my church family. I send them out like Jesus sent his disciples. I send them out as bright and shining lights, God. Lord, let them be a light for you, God, in a darkened time. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen.